Welcome to Intelligogy with Tracy Browder, where together we will disrupt educational normalcy. It is Monday Matters, and back with us again is Marlena Gross-Taylor. Hey, Marlena. Hey, Tracy. So glad to be back. Oh, I love Monday Matters and my time with you. So friends, if you have not been following Intelligogy the podcast, first of all, you need to. If you've not been following Marlena Gross-Taylor, you need to. If you've not sat in on Educladiators chat, what are you waiting for? And thirdly, or fourthly, or wherever I was, um, Monday Matters has been Marlena and I talking about, speaking of Educladiators chat, um, something that she shared in one of the chats. And she shared um, five truths that this global pandemic COVID-19 has exposed. And the first truth was equity is still a thing. The second truth was schools are still considered daycares to parents in the community. The third truth, which is where we're going to park today, being teachers is not as easy as parents think. The fourth, educators deserve more pay and respect. And the last one, the fifth one, testing isn't the answer. So. If you have not listened to Marlena's um, conversations with me previously on Monday Matters, go check them out. And we are going to jump right into truth number three. Being teachers is not as easy as parents think. Marlena, talk to us. (laughs) Well, you know, but when this chat happened, when we had this chat for Edu Gladiators around uh, remote learning, you know, We'd already been in remote learning for at least a month, maybe a little bit more of that. And so as we were talking through the chat about uh, where, I, where I, I dropped this particular tweet about what were, what were what things were working, you know, how do we keep remote learning simple? This truth just came blaring out to me. And I'm not sure if it's because of watching my friends struggle with Um, remote learning as parents with their own kids on Facebook or Instagram. You know, some of my friends were being funny about it. Some were like truly like calling out for help. And and I've had to do several uh, counseling sessions for parents as well as help parents, you know, wrap their arms around how to do this well. But school is the number one shared experience for the most part in the United States. Public going to school is not just a, a, a rite of passage or a privilege, it's a requirement in our country. So school is the one common denominator that all of us have. Majority of us in public, some of us may have gone to private, but it doesn't matter. It's still school. We go from uh, kindergarten through 12th grade, right? And because we all have been through school, whatever that looked like for us, even for our parents and other adults that are not teachers or educators, they think they know a lot about it because they actually experienced it. And so what this pandemic uncovered, the, the hard truth is that as public education in particular has been just, I mean, just pummeled from all sides around how do we do it best and parents you know, saying that they know more and they can do do it better. It's really because they experience it, not because they actually have steeped themselves into the research and pedagogy around teaching and learning uh, for students and how that differs at each of the levels from elementary, uh, middle and high school and even college. So this pandemic 
kind of pulled out all the cards for parents, especially the ones that thought they could do it and have thought they could do it better. Now, I am so proud of the parents that did a great job with it. They were able to figure it out for their families. I want to give them, you know, their due props in that. But I will say, by large, many of our parents across the country struggled with having their kids home and having to do school with them or be the teacher with them. And the kids noticed it as well. So I hope out of all of this with the pandemic that teachers have and educators and other support staff have earned a higher level of respect from the public at large and from parents in particular, uh, especially those that have maybe maybe been hard on their kids' school or their kids' teachers and they were pulling out their hair with their own children, much less they can't even conceive having a classroom full of you know 20 to 30 or 35 kids, depending on your grade level. And, you know, with all of that, Marlena, I w- what I would hope would happen is that there are completely different and new and beautiful partnerships that will develop because of experiences and a newfound respect and, and really understanding. I, I've heard parents say, and, and um, parents have rocked it. They have been resilient. The kids have been resilient and amazing. But I have heard some parents say, oh, my goodness, I am pulling my hair out with this child. And if I'm doing that with my own child and I have older kids and younger kids and I'm trying to manage three kids in the house, how on earth do you do this with 20 to 30 kids every single day? So I've heard that a lot. So I just feel like there's this 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 new level of appreciation um, and, and, and respect because of this experience. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know um, if you think this new set of lenses, this new insight, this, this peek inside of our world, which they still didn't get, they got a glimpse into interacting with their own child, but take that child plus 25. Um, how do you think the relationships between teachers and parents will look going forward? Well, I think that, number one, we know um, that there has to be some type of continued online learning uh, in the fall because there's no vaccine. There's no effective drug therapy that's been developed for anyone that gets COVID. Uh, So we know that there has to be an online component. All school districts are having to do that, even if they're contemplating doing some type of in-person instruction with kids. I feel that once we start back in the fall, whatever that looks like for you or your district, once you once you start back in the fall, I should say, you will have, hopefully, and I truly believe this, more parents that are willing to truly listen and learn from you. And I think one of the, the one of the the opportunities that COVID has brought is to not only strengthen those school and family relationships, but to offer schools must offer parents classes on how to be a parent during these times, how to get their kindergartner or their middle schooler or their high schooler, um, how to get them motivated, continue to be motivated and doing their assignments, hopping on and, and being live with their teacher whenever those times might be. So I think a great opportunity is to strengthen those, those family and school partnerships 
truly by number one, helping the parents figure out their day. What is the schedule? I think that has probably been one of the biggest challenges for parents is, um, you know, they're used to dropping their kids off, whether it's at before care, if they're in elementary, if they have to get, if the parents have to get to work early or even daycare, you know, before kids were school age, their, their kid was school age or picking them up after aftercare. They don't know anything that happens in between, right? They're, most parents, their day is structured around their own work schedule. They are not interacting with their kids at nine o'clock, at 10 o'clock, at, at one o'clock, you know, during the day. So the biggest uh, struggle seems to be having structure. Um, yes, kids are home when, when school is out and on the weekends. Uh, but I think most parents realize that maybe they had a bit of a free-for-all, you know, and they needed to have more. You, you just can't do that during the regular day of having your kids just do whatever, especially if you're working from home, too, and you have those responsibilities. Absolutely. You know, you and I have talked before about um, crisis remote learning versus quality distance learning. Um, What do you feel like needs to happen? You already said, you know, that that schools should provide some training for parents, especially if this is a long haul. And I kind of think it is, at least for the for the immediate future. Um, but what types of supports do you think outside of the training um, and, and you added the schedule? What types of supports do you predict that parents will need or, or, or how will the relationship between teachers and parents look to support the child going forward instead of crisis remote learning? Now we should be doing some some robust remote learning because we should have been learning some lessons. We should have been planning along the way. Um, so, so what do you predict changing now as a result of having lived Christ, lived through crisis remote learning? So I think, I think schools can help their parents by, of course, training them. But like you said, training in what? They definitely need to, schools definitely need to provide parents with schedules that um, to help the parents structure their child's day. Routines are incredibly important in the development of any child, even the youngest child. Um, and so we can't, we can't move away from that. We need to help parents understand and give them clearly defined routines and timetables that they can help with their students. Um, also, having, and here's, I feel this will change as well, having a clear workspace for their kids to do school. Now, for all of my homeschool parents that are out there listening, you probably already have this part figured out. It, you have to have a designated work area, just like adults have an office when they're working from home. Uh, most of, in most cases, our kids, your kids need a space where they can do their work. So have that clearly defined working space clear routines um, and timetables to help students stay focused and so they understand what's happening. Also, making sure that we um, as educators help our parents understand best practice around being online, such as etiquette. You know, what do you do and what don't you do around that? I know dress code came up on on a couple of uh, different posts I saw between either on my my uh, my friends on their social media or even in Twitter around, we should have a dress code. No one really thought of that. It's not okay to come live to your, your Zoom or your Google Classroom uh, session and you're in your jammies, you know? Um, being able to have those kind of conversations and set those same 
those same, as close as possible, those same structures and routines and, and even practices that kids have in school. They wouldn't come to school in their jammies unless it's spirit week or something like that. And even then, you know, there's a bit of a dress code around that. So even being able to keep those things there, I think is really important. And then also making sure that we are keeping our kids safe. Our parents need to have some tools and some tools in their tool belt and keeping their kids safe online, especially if they're middle or high school, they won't need mom or dad or whoever takes care of them sitting right by them at the table as you probably would with the kindergartner or first grader, or even a second grader. So making sure that we are arming our parents with those tools that they need to keep their kids safe. Um, so if they have that clear schedule, kids are doing work from this time, this time, mom or dad or whomever is taking care of the kids, they're, you know, in their space doing their work, they, there's a, 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 a level of comfort that their kids are being safe while being online. You know, I, I think about it as you were talking, I'm, I'm, the, these are amazing points, especially it, it's deeper than dress code because we're really teaching kids how to present themselves in a variety of environments and, and being cognizant of that. And then parents holding them accountable to that, because like you said, with middle school and high school, a lot of times they may be in their room or are just in a different space from the parents. So there's that accountability piece that comes with that, but we're really, really helping kids think, um, of how to show up in places other than the walls of the school building. Um, Let's explore what do we think, what do we think about when kids are at home? And and so when we talk about, parents in this whole new respect for teachers and realizing that it's not as easy as they thought. Let's talk about the student with um, special needs that need to be met during the course of the day in a remote learning environment. We were kind of thrown into this. And um, I know you and I have had some conversations about um, advocacy around special education, What do you think about the students with special needs at home, with parents? Have you been involved in conversations with um, school districts about the types of supports that need to be in place with these parents and kids with special needs? Absolutely. And I think those needs actually vary. It depends on, it really depends on a couple of things. It depends on um, what are the accommodations or modifications that a student is requiring or is re- that is needing, I should say, is needing. Right. And then how best to deliver that. So whether that is virtually having the parents, again, the parents would need to be there with their child, of course, depending on what the disability might be. But um, the parent are the are the aid. Our educational assistants are invaluable in this, being able to be on and model and walk the parents through what happens in that normal day, you know, um, to be able to do that, I think is super important. Um, do our schools have, and I'll pose this question, do, you know, do schools have a way to deliver those hands-on materials or mm-hmm. our equipment 
um, outside of just a laptop or, you know, an iPad or whatever it might be, you know, um, do they have a way to deliver that on a regular basis? Schools have to think about that. That also hits the equity issue, too, for kids that may not have a connection. Mm -hmm. You know, they have a device, we give them a hotspot, but they still don't have a connection. The same applies to our SPED, our EL, our gifted kids as well. There needs to be some type of process and schedule for um, not only the online piece, but if kids are learning from uh, learning remotely, where they can receive those uh, those those materials, um, so the aid or the or the SPED teacher or the gifted teacher or the EL teacher can, you know, either have those sessions, have those extra sessions with kids uh, virtually, or help walk their parents through it as well. So I think, you know, and, and we're going to talk about this in July about, you know, being tech savvy, knowing that we're going to have to be tech savvy in a blended learning environment. Um, we have to think about that old school versus the new school, right? Like you have all the techie things, but you're still going to need, you know, some manipulatives um, for kids to, to have access to as well, or just access to their curriculum that's in a, in a paper pencil format, um, especially if they're, you know, if they're in a rural area. And they may not have access, uh, even if they have a hotspot. Absolutely. And I love what you said most about um, the the teacher assistants and paraprofessionals really being that that key role, because the special education teacher can't be in all these different places supporting Um, all the students at the same time. So, and even, you know, maybe it's, and I know we're drifting just a little bit, but um, you know, our specials teachers, the art, well, they're not special education trained, but it's it's like, we just need all hands on deck. And I'm not saying art should go by the wayside or PE, but we need to just look through a different lens at how we address, um, using personnel, best utilizing personnel in a remote learning environment. Um, so I don't know, there's just still so many considerations to, to explore, but uh, that that was the one thing besides the equity in technology and access. The other thing I heard the most was um, the special needs population and and how to best service them. That that seemed to be a really really big challenge. So I hope that our districts are um, taking the time to explore where the gaps were and 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 address them instead of just focusing so heavily on on just the contingency plans for the upcoming school year, how we start, because there's so many other things that are necessary that have to be in place in order to start. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one one other thing that's, that I found a lot, Marlena, is when we talk about it's not as easy as parents think it is, um, is, is, and I know parents have to figure out how to structure their day that works best with limited devices, which again goes back to equity um, and and their work schedule. But I know so many parents were trying to recreate um, the eight to four o'clock day, um, working like nonstop working. And and I would try to explain to friends that okay, remember 
We have lunch, we have recess, we have enrichment, we have other things in place to give kids a break. And in the classroom, the student is not sitting at a table or a desk working nonstop for an hour or hours at a time. So you mentioned earlier that piece about pedagogy. It's so important that that schools take time to enlighten parents on why it's not okay that they work nonstop, why it's not just paper and pencil, why there should be some experiential work, why there should be some inquiry-based work. So what do you think about all of that in terms of how to best, how to really dig deep and have those conversations with parents? So for me, this actually, again, it's one of the opportunities that we um, can take advantage of here um, with with the whole remote learning COVID situation, when in person, especially when I was a principal, we would have support groups for parents. We'd have support groups for parents and not just your typical literacy night or math night. We went way deeper into that, right? Because we know that if a family, if the parents are, are, are doing well, their kids tend to do better, right? Because it's a happier home, whatever that might look like. I feel that one of the ways we can take advantage of this situation and create some new opportunities to strengthen that relationship is to still have, and if you're not having them, start having them, those support groups for parents in this situation. How do you have a support group on how to handle if you're a single parent and your kids are home, you know, for whatever the reason might be, and they're having to work remotely, or how do you motivate your, your middle schooler to get out of bed um, and, and be active or your high school or whatever it might be. How do you, how do you institute some quiet time with your, with your younger child or your elementary student? Um, because you're right during the school day, they have rest time, they have recess, they have brain breaks, even during instruction, they have brain breaks, all of those different pieces. So how do you model that? I think having support groups in addition to just like your, just your straight training on how to do something, but have support groups that parents can talk and share um, will help reduce the stress level of the parents and then helping to bring to their attention and give them some, some strategies to help promote, uh, promote well-being in their, in their own child by enacting some of those, um, some of those de-stressors uh, activities um, that we take for granted as educators, we just know to do during the day or during our brain breaks, helping parents understand that and, and teaching them how to do those things at home. You know, that's that's an excellent concept, Marlena, um, the the support group piece and, and one that I think the. That it's something that really, really needs to be brought to the forefront, um, that that to me is a when you're in crisis learning, you kind of don't even have time for that. But knowing that we're going into this potentially for most of the school year, um, it's important to have that piece in place. And who do you think best, um, who do you think would be best to facilitate those support groups? Counselor, principal team, uh, assistant principals, what are your thoughts? I definitely think it should start with the counselors, for sure. Um, There has been such an emphasis on mental health and well-being of our students and even the staff that support our students. So those are the folks that have the most training around that, uh, whatever that might look like in your in your particular school. So definitely lean in on your counselors, but it can't be just the counselors. 
So our counselors need to also help share with teachers how not only additional ways that they can help kids self-regulate, but the parents too. So mm-hmm. the way that I see this happening, honestly, we should be helping our parents have a check-in system. For those of you that teach, uh, teach students that might have, say, behavior issues or, or things like that, you know, you have a check-in, check-out every day, right? You have that adult that that kid uh, is super connected to, that they check in with normally. Um, you have check-ins throughout the day, but we should create a check-in. Schools should be creating a check-in, check-out list for parents to do with their kids throughout the day as well. And it's not just about, did you do your homework or do you do, did you do your assignment? But it's also, you know, what did you have, what did you learn today that was really, was, was really hard for you? Or tell me something new that you discovered today during your day. You know, what can we do? Um, what can we do tomorrow? What can we do to make tomorrow better? Mm-hmm. That also gives our kids, it starts to embed their ownership. Because teachers, as educators, we know we want our kids to have, uh, to not just be passive consumers of their education, but to be active participants. And this helps to build that. So have that check-in, check-out system. And our counselors can start it with those SEL pieces, right? The mental health pieces. And then working with teachers, they can add some of those other components. It can be something, it needs to include also classroom behavior management techniques that teachers use. We have to teach our parents how to do this as well. Because we know the research shows us the more consistent that adults are when they're trying to um, trying to elicit a certain behavior out of a child, the more likely it is to happen. So we should have some of those behavior uh, check-ins that we do unconsciously, really, if you've been teaching any measure of time. We need to be able to write those things down and share those with our parents so they can have a check-in list that's comprehensive of the mental health of the academics and also of just the behavior pieces. Help our parents help their kids set goals for the day if they're home learning, you know? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, it makes me think of this. <sighs> I, I've heard parents say this when they're interacting with their kids, and this was pre-COVID. Um, if, if they're working on reading or, or counting or multiplying, like you should know this, you should know this. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's that parent-child relationship versus the teacher-student relationship. Um, And and it's it's going to be important to have conversations and supports in place for that because that'll make a child, you know, just like give up. Um, Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I I really look forward to us um, encouraging school districts to have these support systems in place. And I'm sure many districts are having these SEL conversations and um, support conversations for parents. But if not, uh, we really, really need to be exploring it. And I say I'm sure they are. But at the same time, this is uncharted territory. So we mm-hmm. can't assume, oh, they've got that covered or, oh, no, that that's already being addressed. We can't assume anything right now. Um, it has to be all hands on decks. And like even teachers, we can't be passive in this process and, and, and let administrators just, oh, they've got it. No, we all have ownership. If, if, if I, this conversation we're having, for instance, if I can see 
we need to make sure this happens, then I have some onus in going to my administrator and 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 talking about that because if we don't step up then we're assuming that the administrator's got it. Well, the administrator hasn't been in COVID-19 before. This is the administrator's first time, just like it's our first time. So it's it's truly an all hands on deck effort. And and to kind of circle back as we get ready to wrap up, you know, um, it's, it's not as easy as parents thought. And it's uncharted territory. And the bottom line is that we all are in this together to make it work. So Marlena, as we prepare to close, what's your bottom line in all of this? What do you want to leave us with? I want to leave every educator that is listening and every parent that is listening, every support staff member that's listening. We couldn't help what happened in the spring. It took us all by surprise. But when we know better, we should do better. We need to make sure we're using this time. And Maya Angelou said that's one of my favorite quotes. We should be using this time to prepare for online learning that is more robust, that is more engaging, and that is truly uh, following the pedagogy of e-learning that we know exists. And we have to use this time to not just support parents um, in, in the traditional sense, because school is no longer going to be traditional. I actually don't think it'll ever be again. Even once a vaccine happens, we can never go back to what we were doing before. And those of us that are very progressive, we were always waiting for that new era, right? Of, of changing that, in, in, that industrialized model of school. We can never go back. So let's take the opportunity to lock arms with our parents, lock arms with our community, and let's truly transform the educational experience of our students. Mm. Very well said. And and on that note, we're going to drop the mic. And Marlena, thank you again for being here. Now, for our listeners who have not listened to the previous um, episodes, they're going to hop back and do that right now. But let's tell them how they can connect with all things Marlena. Absolutely. So you can reach me at on Twitter. You can follow me, M. Gross Taylor, M-G-R-O-S-S Taylor, all one word. Or you can hop to my website, MarlenaTaylor.com. You can search me under Marlena Gross Taylor on all the major social media platforms. And I'm happy to connect or simply just type in Edu Gladiators and you can find me there as well, along with some other amazing core warriors that are that are locking arms uh, with so many educators in this work that we do. So don't let not knowing continue to be your reason for not doing. Reach out. We're happy to help you. We want to partner with you because our kids deserve having an edge gladiator in their corner that's doing just what we're talking about um, for them. Absolutely. And Marlena, on that note, can you tell our listeners there, there's so many resources to edu gladiators. And, and like you've said before, it's, it's bigger than a chat. It is not just a chat. The chat is only one piece of it. But for those educators who do want to connect with the chat, can you tell them how to do so? Absolutely. So every Saturday at 8 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Eastern uh, in the morning, we have a 30-minute chat, roughly about four questions that will get you going, get you pumped, get you thinking, and get you connecting with other warriors in this arena of education. 
and we have themes every month. We are very reflective of what our current state uh, is, as well as what are those things that we really need to be talking about. So our chat prides itself on giving our our participants not only thought-provoking questions, but actionable items and resources that they can use to make a change the very next day, that Monday when they're back in class, whether virtually or in person with their kids. Um, We also offer professional development opportunities as well, and virtually uh, as well. We're happy to do that to help support you and your staff, or you personally, if you're wanting to grow. And lastly, we are excited about how successful our book publishing has been. We have some incredible authors that you definitely want to check out to help you grow and learn as a teacher, as a leader, um, in whatever capacity that you might feel is an opportunity to learn. We're here for you and we have some great books there um, that I know that you will enjoy. See, I was right. The chat is only one tiny piece of (laughs) Marlena, thank you so much for being here on Monday Matters with Intelligogy, the podcast, where together we are disrupting educational normalcy. Until next time, thank you so much, Marlena. Thank you, Tracy.